Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to one of the new installments here on the YouTube channel, going forward on a weekly base, where we go back in time and review retro pay-per-views from back in the day. The good, the bad, and oh, something that we like to call here, the throwback. And thank you all for watching this. If you are new to the channel, hit that subscribe button down below. Give the video a big old thumbs up and share throughout your entire social media platform, wherever it is that you share videos, ladies and germs. This will also be up on the podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, and so many places that we're available on, and as well over at okfabe.com. And as always, guys, I am Steve, and I am not alone here. I'm here joined by the man with the golden charm, all the way from Detroit. Detroit versus everybody. The one, the only, Big Mike from Big Mike Wrestling Recap Show. Big Mike, what is up, bro? How you been? Yo, what's going on, Steven, man? Nothing much. Happy for this new venture and the throwback. Uh, listening and watching all of the all of the old stuff, man, you know. Exactly, man. You know, I know everyone right now, again, it's going through a difficult time. Wrestling in 2020, let's be real about it, is dead. It's, it's dead right now. I don't want to be the one to say it, but it really, really is. The way things are going right now, it sucks. I think I made that already clear already. But it's time like this where, hey, I'm blessed to have the network and Impact Plus and stuff like that. So what we're going to do with the throwback is basically review stuff from back in the day. The good, the bad, the ugly. And we mean ugly, oh, if you will, on a weekly base. And this week, to start things off, you know, we decided to, again, go back into the realm of WCW, wrestling, if you will, and decided to talk about arguably one of WCW's biggest gross of a pay-per-view in the history of their company, Starcade 1997. Big Mike, are you excited, bro, about this? I'm super excited about this big few going into this show and uh, excited to review it. Exactly, man. Starkin 97. And again, if you guys have watched the show and all that stuff and your memories of the show, give us, again, your thoughts on what you remember from Starkin 97 in the comment threads below of the YouTube video or if not on social media, add Heel Steven or Big Mike. Where can they catch the man with the golden charm at, bruh? Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at uh, Big Mike WRS one. W S W R S one. Yes, I changed my uh, my Twitter mention. Okay, now you're at Big Mike at W at Big Mike at WRS one. Interesting. Okay, so 1997 WCW Starcade. Took place on December 28th, 1997 from the MCI Center in Washington, D.C. And like we mentioned earlier, Mike, this was the most profitable show in WCW history. With 17,500 paid fans in attendance, totaling a $543,000 buy gate, gay basically. And a 1.1 pay-per-view buy rate, dude. 1.9 pay-per-view buy rate. That's insane. That yeah. is insane, dude. And for what was probably the most anticipated match in God knows how long in the history of WCW at that time. Hollywood Hulk Hogan defending the WCW World Heavyweight Championship against Sting. Sting who went through a change. He became the Crow. He didn't speak for a year. 
And now here he is challenging for the World Heavyweight Championship. And again, the most anticipated match, it was like the battle of the company, basically. It was the NWO versus WCW. And overall, what I liked about this show is that it felt like a big deal, this whole show. The complexity of this whole show felt like a big fucking deal. This was essentially, for WCW, their WrestleMania. Would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah, it sure as not felt like uh, their WrestleMania. And, um, yeah, they bigged up everything on this card. Everything had a story, and everything pretty much ended right here, and some stuff started uh, in the next year. But uh, they pretty much treated this as a huge deal. And all of that until one thing just fucked up everything. But even if that, I gave this show two thumbs up. In my personal opinion. What about you, Big Mike? Uh, I, uh, I give it a thumbs up. It was a thumbs up show. All right, all right. I gave it two thumbs up. You gave it a thumbs up. Guys, again, the comment threads, chat along with us. Give us your thoughts on what was... Starcade 1997 from WCW, Big Mike. Let's begin with this, shall we? So we had the the first match on the card. We had Eddie Guerrero versus D. Malenko for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Mike, what was your thoughts overall on this match? To, before I before you let you go, I'll say I, again: when you hear about WCW back in the day, you hear about how. The cruiserweights always kicked off the show. They get the people, you know, get excited for the show. This was no exception. Uh, yeah, this was this was a real good start off to the show, and um, two favorites. Uh, Eddie Guerrero is uh, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, Dean Malenko very underrated, and a lot of people talk about Dean Malenko. Um, Two great wrestlers, and it's a hot way to start off a show. Yes, indeed it was. What I liked about this as well, even throughout the show, you would notice this. You've seen people, like people from the roster, that were in attendance for the show. Like, they weren't booked on the show by no means at all, but they were just chilling in the crowd, watching the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, Tony, Tony Schiavone said that um, everybody bought a ticket Which I, uh, to see. Don't know if that's true or not, dude. Come on. It, it, it's probably it's it's probably not true. Um, I think they reserved some seats uh, for those guys back then. They just wanted to make it seem as real as possible that two that uh, NWO was literally about to take over uh, WCW, and they did their best job to put that over. <laughs> Indeed, it was. But again, overall, to me, this match again, everything about it was exciting. The kick off the show, and again. One of the best opening matches that I saw in a while, if you will, uh, from WCW up at that point. And granted, I was a, I was about what eight years old at the time, if you will. I was I was two. You were two. I was eight <laughs> years old, bro. Uh, so it starts off with Malenko ha- having an advantage from the start of the match. Guerrero fought back briefly by attacking Malenko's left leg, but Malenko regained the advantage. They, this continued until Guerrero countered a suplex and targeted the knee with the use of the ring post and ring steps. Guerrero performed a missile drop kick and a frog splash to the knee and pinned Malenko to win the match and retain the Cruiserweight Championship in a 15-minute match. Yeah, and, man, you know what's it funny, was, uh... too? 
Like, when we watch wrestling today, like WWE, AEW, stuff like that, right? You'll see matches that will go on and go on and keep going. Perfect example, Edge and Randy Orton from WrestleMania 36. But the point of the matter is, like, you you sit there like, yo, they've been going on for a long time now. Let this be over already. But this, it was like, I, I enjoyed it. It kept going, kept going, and it was great. Yeah, um... They did. They did a lot of things that you hear a lot of the veterans say. You know, they did a lot less, but it looked like it was everything. Um, the targeting of the knee that um, Eddie Guerrero did um, for the uh, for the finish for the frog splash on the knee. You know, a lot of you, this should be like the template for a lot of opening matches. You know, there's a story there. Create another story within the match and give them the payoff and this is exactly what this did of course mike um and one thing i'll say too and if you know the commentary here for the show the commentary you had mike Tanay, tony shivani and the american dream dusty Rhodes. Yeah, iron, iron mike Tanay. iron mike Tanay. you go iron mike Tanay. iron mike Tanay. oh baby how are mike Tanay. uh there's that so that was fine with that too i was fine uh, after this, uh, we're supposed to have um, a six-man tag. It was supposed to be um, it, it was Scott Norton, Randy Savage, and Ray Ta- and uh, Vincent versus Ray Taylor and the Steiner brothers. But before oh, this okay. even happened, Scott Hall came out. Uh, apparently, it was supposed to be Kevin Nash. Scott Hall, I think it was. Yes, it was supposed to. It was supposed to be uh, Kevin Nash, yeah, versus the Giant. The Giant, and that never happened. The Gi- Kevin Nash never made it to the building. Right. So that never happened. Instead, the Giant came out and he chokes them the hell out of out of Scott Hall, and this got a reaction. They got a massive yeah. reaction. If you yeah, will. I thought it was hilarious. You know, Scott Hall, one of my favorites. You know, calling a. Calling a uh, um, Kevin Nash the real big giant and calling him the big goof, and uh, I think the funniest thing, you know, when the giant was talking, and um, Scott Hall threw his uh, he threw his uh, toothpick at the giant, and then he was punching him, but it was like he really didn't know what to do at that point. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, so we're going straight into fighting?" Yeah. And then he no sell two punches. It looked weird. Absolutely, and I'll say this too. This was the giant back when he was over. You yeah. know what I mean? Not what we see now. To think that this is the same giant that made invented WrestleMania 36. Um, whatever you want to yeah. believe. A Netflix show or not. Which I thought was the bleeding shits. Which we're not going to get into right now. We're not. Um, yeah, but he did say he did say one thing that was true. He said that I'm going to be in this wrestling business for a long time. And boy, did he stick to that. Indeed, it was. Indeed he did. But then, like I said, we got the six-person tag, Sky Norton, Vincent, and Randy Savage, who was coming by Miss Elizabeth to take on the, the trio of Ray Taylor, formerly known as the Big Boss Man, the, and the Steiner brother of Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner, who were accompanied by Ted DiBiase. Mike, your thoughts on this match? Your thoughts? Uh, I, I felt like that this match was everywhere, um, but... Uh, it's very funny to see, you know, Scott Steiner slowly uh, turning into Big Papa Pump. You can see the transformation slowly. <laughs> yeah, you really, really could. I noticed that too. Like, okay, he's little pump. He's gonna get there though. 
Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. With the goatee, he didn't put the the bleach blonde streak in his goatee yet. He didn't dye his hair bleach blonde yet. He, he had the muscles, but he was almost there. Yeah, he was. It's like an evolution. Like he evolved. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> um, I thought this match, like just like you, it was, it was all over the place. Honestly, if this match didn't have Randy Savage, this match to me would, would have been a dud. Oh yeah, for sure. I think we, I think anyone that's watching this right now, that's listening to this right now, would agree with that. Without Randy, I would not care for this match. Yeah, uh, and, I, uh, I, don't, I don't even think he, Randy was. Supposed, I don't even think Randy was supposed to be in the match. He wasn't. You, they even said on commentary, they was like, "Oh, this is a surprise." He wasn't even supposed to even be on this card. And this is a moment, and I'll say this too. I don't know if the card is not, but throughout the night. Some of these matches were basically WCW versus the NWO, and yeah. like, oh, you know WCW got to get they got to get wins here, they got to get momentum and all that stuff. But when you think about it, the one that really mattered the most was the main event, Hogan and the, the State. main, yeah, the main event and the match before the main event, yeah, which we'll get into later on, later on in this review. So hang on <clears> tight for that. Hopefully, you're all enjoying yourself, smoking a blunt, drinking something, eating something. I'm drinking an Arizona green tea. That's right. I traded my game fuel for Arizona green tea with ginseng and honey, by the way. Not bad. Not fucking bad. Um, anyway, the match started and the, with the NWO having the advantage over Scott Steiner. Uh, Steiner fought back with a double underhook powerbomb. And WCW gained the advantage. Vincent was dominated <laughs> until Taylor missed a big splash. NWO yeah. attacked Taylor until Rick tagged in. The Steiners double teamed Vincent, and Scott performed an elevated DDT. As Scott was attempting a Frankensteiner on Savage, Norton stopped him and performed an electric chair drop, and then Savage pinned Scott after a diving elbow drop to win the match. This was about 11 minutes in. Um, the fact that Scott Steiner, at that stage of his career, Attempting a Frankensteiner, considering his age back then, it was crazy. Yeah, and it looked smooth, you know, him doing that off the top rope. I think everything about WCW back then was just, even the ring, like the canvas felt smooth. Like, you knew it was canvas, but you didn't, like, really hear, like, the canvas, if you will. It felt yeah. like when they were when they were taking bumps, like, you really heard the bump. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know in WWE... Like, a lot of these rings today, right, you see the little padding. Like, when they're walking on it, you, you feel the padding. Yeah, you can see the steps that they were taking. Granted, granted, yes, there's give. We're not saying there isn't give. But back then, like, if you watch a WCW ring, you couldn't tell the steps. Right. If you will. I don't know if you caught that or not. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I uh, paid attention to that. But again, this match was anything more for Randy Savage. I think the right person... Got the win for the team here. That being Savage hitting the elbow drop. Even till that, even at that point of his career, the elbow drop was amazing to see. Right. It's like that was that could have been wrestling's Air Jordan, by the way. If oh you will. yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's that. Um, but again, overall, this match. I don't want to be repetitive with this, but I'll just be because fuck it. Without Savage, this match just would have been a dud. Yeah, because who wants to watch a, a Vincent, match with Vincent. with Vincent, a.k.a. Virgil? <laughs> exactly. 
weird self only thinking about meat sauce. Exactly. Moving on here. Moving on. We go from that to a match that I think we both can agree with the bleeding shit. I have it here on my notes. The bleeding fucking shits. Is it a person who wrestled at WrestleMania this year? Yes, a person that lost the Universal title this year. Uh, oh, man. Goldberg versus Steven <laughs> McMongo McMichael. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Two former NFL players uh, going at it here. Yeah. Dude, man. This yeah. match was like... Torture to watch. And again, I get it. Goldberg at the time was being, uh, was being pushed as this undefeated monster. But to put him here on your biggest show of the year in a six-minute match. Granted, Goldberg today can have a six-minute match with no problem whatsoever. <laughs> if Well, it depends. With the right, like with Brock. Think about it. If Goldberg and Brock well, yeah, out there. Him and Brock are like the only, the only two that can fight each other, and it looks good. Anybody else look horrible yeah, with Goldberg. That's fine. That's fair enough. But... This match was just, first of all, it showed the weakness of Goldberg and the weakness of Stephen McMichael. In the same match. And How does that even happen? I have no clue, bro. No fucking clue. Uh, I don't even recall McMichael having a theme song. Did he have a theme song in this match? Um. Yeah, he had a theme song because I think everybody in that 90s, Four Horsemen had a sub theme song outside of the actual Four Horsemen theme song. He came out to it. Yeah, but I couldn't even remember. He shows yeah, up. Yeah, it was terrible though. It was ter- yeah, it was really really terrible. Um, but yeah, this like why we, why are you torturing your fans that are paying money again? Again, seventeen thousand five hundred paid fans in attendance. A five hundred forty three thousand dollar gate. Yeah, and I think I heard a You Both Suck chant, too. Yeah, people were chanting, You Both Suck. This was boring. People were more entertained what was going on in the, in the audience. Yeah. And then what was happening in this match? There because was a they tab- had better wrestlers as, as uh, spectators. Yes, there was a table spot in the match where I think Mongo McMichael fell on. That was oh, terribly brutal. done. It was uh, brutal. <laughs> it was a brutal match. Mongo Mc- Apparently, because of that, Mongo couldn't get him up for a suplex. Like they try to like defend all oh, because he went through that table. He couldn't lift up Goldberg and shit. Um, the match started on the entrance ramp and went back and forth. Goldberg gained advantage with a punch to the to the midsection as McMichael jumped from the top turnbuckle. Goldberg applied a knee bar and performed the spear after Mc, after sending McMichael through a table. Goldberg performed a jackhammer and pinned him to win the match. Six minutes of just torture. God damn yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, too much torture. Yes. I was like, Jesus. I was like, every time I replayed this show, I was like, oh my God. Exactly. Like, this match. <laughs> this match was not what you want to see. No, bro. No, I'm sorry. Fuck no. Uh, from there, we go on to what we want, because let's talk something that's more productive, if you will. We had Perry Saturn versus Chris Benoit. Benoit, I'm sorry. Chris Benoit. Okay, in a Ravens rule match. So originally, it was supposed to be Chris Benoit versus Raven. Right. And I guess Raven chose not to compete, and he chose to replace him, Perry Saturn. 
who was in shape, yeah. who was a different Perry Saturn than what we see today, right? Yep. Um, the ma- again, he had hair. He had hair. Holy crap, buddy. He looked fresh compared to us right now with our hair. Holy shit. He yeah. looked fresh. He looked fresh. Goddamn. Um, you can see right now that yeah, we're, all of us are not struggling. We need a haircut. I need a fucking haircut right now. But that's beside the point. Okay. Uh, Saturn was a member of the flock, a group led by Raven. The match started with Benoit having the, the advantage. As he fought out of the ring, the flock came out, out of the audience, and attacked Benoit. Saturn then dominated Benoit. Targeted, he targeted his neck. As Saturn climbed the turnbuckles, uh, Benoit pushed him to the outside. Benoit applied the Crooper crossface to Saturn on Saturn, but the Fluck attacked him. Raven performed an even flow DDT, aka the Raven effect, onto Benoit, and then Saturn applied the rings of Saturn. Benoit has passed out from the DDT to have Saturn with the match, but. I'll say this overall, the match itself I thought was okay, a solid match, right? It was basically again all the members of the flock coming out to attack Benoit. Let's be real about it too, Mike. Let's just the elephant. Let's address the elephant in the room. Benoit then looked way different. Yeah. As far as body shape. Yeah. Compared to what he was when he was in WWE and stuff like that. Um, and again, I said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't have an issue watching a Benoit match. I don't. I know there's people that still do, even after the documentary came out, Dark Side of the Ring. I can't watch a Benoit match. I was able to watch it, no problem. Um, and amazing, again, you remember how much of an amazing performer he was. Yeah, he was, uh, he still stuff. is one of, one of my favorite. Yeah, he still is one of my favorites, no matter, you know, the circumstances. Um, but uh, this match was, was decent. I feel bad for the people in attendance that probably wanted to see uh, Chris Benoit, Benoit versus uh, Raven. Raven and got Perry Saturn. <laughs> yeah, but for what it was worth, again, you know, yeah, yeah. you had to balance this out. Because, again, you had WCW versus NWO matches going on. At the same time, you had to throw in some other matches to get these guys on the show, if you will. But there was that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, from there, we get Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger. Buff is the stuff, and the ladies couldn't get enough. This was another WCW versus NWO match. I thought this match was okay for what it was worth. For whatever reason, this is the longest match on the entire card. This match went about 16 minutes and 36 seconds. This match yeah. went longer than the fucking main event. Let yeah, that, that sink, was my issue. Let that sink in for a minute, Mike. Okay? Let that yeah. sink in. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the match overall, though? Uh, the match overall, number one, uh, entrances. Uh, Buff Bagwell has probably more charisma than anybody on today's roster. <laughs> I know that. And I know this not about all. And that's not saying. That's like, okay. It's Buff Bagwell, you know. Yeah, I know, but, uh, um, yeah, this match was super long. Uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy this match being that long. If they would have cut it to about 10 minutes, then yeah, I would have said, yeah, it's a decent match, you know, decent Luger match, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. It was a decent Luger match. Again, you're amazed at how much of shape Lex Luger was in, if you right. will. 
granted right. to where he is now, he's like, obviously he's a vegetable now, he's in a wheelchair. But back then, that guy was the man. The total package. Right. The total package. And it's amazing how this guy in WWE never became WWE champion. Right. Like, granted, I get it. Yeah, he, he, he was kind of forced that everyone was thrown in WWE. Right? He was forced, per se. People wanted Bret Hart, but Vince thought, looked at the legs and thought, oh, he's my next Hulk Hogan, which was never going to happen. We can all agree that one, that one, that was never gonna happen. Point is though, here you look at him and the guy was in amazing shape. Right? Yes, he was. And not for nothing, as a kid, when I would go through back and forth on the channels between WCW and WWE, whenever Luger had a match, I enjoyed his entrance. That little rock theme, if you will, and the pyro and shit when he's flexing. That was yeah. Bad. That was badass. And he's fucking badass. Um, and I always was a fan of the torture rack. Yeah, the torture rack is uh, one of my favorite submission finishers. I remember I went to a concert a couple of years ago. It was Action Bronson, by the way. And he put a girl up on a torture rack. Yeah, he's a wrestling fan. He's a wrestling fan. He's a fucking wrestling fan. So, again, I was, it was there. I was at well, Wellmont Theater in Montclair. And he gets to, he's on stage. He's performing. And they bring a girl up. And, again, he's in the moment. He's enjoying himself. And because the wrestling fan in him, right, he put a girl up in a torture rack. It was the most funniest <laughs> shits in the world, bro. Most hilarious shits. Uh, but in this match, Luger, Luger had an advantage until a distraction from Vincent allowed Buff Bagwell to fight back. So Buff Bagwell in this match, he walks to the back like, fuck this. He's going to bring somebody to help him out. Out comes Vincent. Mm-hmm. And then Bagwell then dominated Luger. Bagwell had Luger in a sleeper hold. And fought out, of the, and Luger fought out of it with a belly belly to back suplex. Luger then uh, blocked a big splash with his knees and fought back. Luger had Bagwell in the torture rack, but the referee was knocked down. Randy Savage and Scott Norton then attempted to interfere. Luger fought off Savage, but Norton punched Luger with the foreign object. Bagwell then pinned Luger to win the match. At 1636. At the same time, they were building this up as Lex Luger could never beat Buff Bagwell. Right. And it's like, damn, bro. That happened. But he said before, yeah. Buff Bagwell had more charisma then than a lot of people on the roster had today. Which is very, very true. Very true, Mike. Anything you want to add on this match? Anything you want to add on, Mike? Yeah. Um, I just thought, you know, I just thought, you know, the match was was all right. Um, torture rack was was cool. The the two on one advantage was all right. Um, it was decent. It did what it needed to do. Fair enough. Fair enough, bro. Fair enough. But not not not, not a bad match, I guess, to put in the middle of the card. We think, but again, this was if you if you if you're counting at home, right? This was a win for WC for NWO. So you think about it, right? Um. At the time, it was 2-0, right? It was 2-0, I believe it was, right? Scott Norton, yeah. Vincent Savage won. That was 1-0. Uh, Buff Bagwell beat Lex Luger here. So that's basically, that's it's two zip right now, right? And again, yeah, that the entire zero. show, throughout the entire show, when it was a WCW versus NWO match, you had Shivani, Iron Mike Tanay, and Dusty Rhodes tallying up the scores here because, again, it was a big night. In the history of WCW and all that shit, right? So, so there was that. Keep that in mind. Right. 
Um, we then go from a match that I felt was very, very underrated that I wish they gave more time to compared to what you're seeing now, right? What you, what you see now. Right. Um, that was between um, Diamond Dallas Page versus Kurt Hennig for the WCW US title. Mike, what are your thoughts on this match overall? Your thoughts? Um, I liked this match a lot. Um, just both guys' wrestling ability in this match. It, they should have, yeah, they should have gave them a, a lot more time. I think they should have cut the Luger match just five minutes just to give them an extra five minutes. Um, this match was was really good. Uh, I enjoy both Kurt Henning and uh, DDP. If I was of age and could remember any WCW around that time, I probably would have been a DDP fan because I, I really like DDP. Fair enough, bro. Fair enough. And to me, again, you know, this was probably a match that, again, if anything, go back and watch this match. Go out of your way and watch this match. Go out of your way and watch it. Um, and again, this was, at the time, a thing, hey, can DDP win a big one? They were mentioning that on comment. He's a good talent. He's amazing. But could he win the big one here? And this was a test. Someone like Kurt yeah. Hennig, who at the time as well was amazing in his own self. Um a good back and forth match though let me just get here my notes real quick i'm sorry my mouse is wanting to act up out of nowhere now uh it was originally by the way it was gonna be rick flair facing hennig for the title and it was supposed to be in a cage match however two weeks earlier on nitro flair was scheduled to was injured at the hands of hennig and the nwo and because of injury ddp took flair's he took he took flair's place in the match and the match started back and forth until Hennig performed a hangman, performed a hangman and gained the event. That hangman page, by the way, and he <laughs> targeted Page's ribs and injured the ribs, basically. Right? Because again, in, Page had injured ribs going into the match, and he targeted he was targeting the injured ribs, right? Right. And again, back in the day, you know, the thing, right? The wrestler would tape up the ribs, go out to the match, and they'll be targeted. You don't see that nowadays. Uh, Page fought back after fi- fighting out of a chin lock and a drop with a jawbreaker. Page attacked Henning outside of the ring and pulled Henning's groin into the ring post. Like every single Kurt Henning match that I've watched, right, whether it's in WWF or in WCW, he always gets attacked on the groin, bro, on the ring post. Yeah, yeah. They then exchange attacks and Page. Pin Hennig after a diamond cutter to win the match and the title at 10 minutes and 52 seconds. This was, again, to my understanding, this was Diamond Dallas Page's first singles win, singles title win in WCW. Yeah, it was, uh, it was bringing his age up. They was talking about how he transitioned from a manager to a, to a, um, to a wrestler and uh, Dusty was giving him, you know, all the words of encouragement and stuff like that. And how he basically said, if you want to, you want to be in this business, you got to go for it all, you know, instead of, you know, you're going to be a manager, you better study to be a wrestler too. Cause you never know when. Exactly. Absolutely. And again, good on DDP. Cause we, again, you, you know what he became in WCW. Right. Following this win and all that stuff. And good for him. It was awesome to see him win the title. And all that stuff. And to see just how amazing he was even back then. You know what I mean? It's a shame that 
even it was crazy too. Again, at the age that he started wrestling to in his thirties. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he won he the had title a bad back. with a bad back and all that stuff. And look at him now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a while ago on Dynamite, he had a, he was in a match with MJF and all that stuff, and still look good. He still look good. Shout out to DDPY. Mm-hmm. Shout out to fucking DDPY. Um, from there we get Larry Zbysko versus Eric Bischoff. That's right, Mike. That happened, by the way. <laughs> oh man, this match, man. Yeah, bro. This match. Larry Zabisco and Eric Bischoff. The win- oh, so apparent with special guest referee Bret Hart, which we'll get into just a little in a sec. But the stipulation here was okay. the 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 fate of Nitro was on the line with this match. Right. I started laughing. I man, think, man, think about it, yo. the The fate of Mon- of WCW Monday Nitro Monday Nitro. Was on the hands of one le- the living legend Larry Zabisco. Dude, this was uh, it's not as bad, but this was up there with Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. No, I think this was better than Lawler and, and Lawler and Michael Cole. For the no, that's fact. what I'm saying. It's not the worst, but it's up there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> like I said before, this was on the, that was on the line, right? The, the weekly television show. Was on the line here, um, and again, Zabisco comes out in his wrestling gear, right? His boots, his little tights, if you will. Z- Eric Bischoff comes out in his karate outfit, with yeah, no a co- shoes and all. Accompanied with Scott Hall, by the way. Uh, the match began with Zabisco having the advantage, and for whatever reason, Hart appeared to be favoring Bischoff, stopping Zabisco from certain attacks and holds. Uh, Hart pulls Zabisco away, and this allowed Bischoff to kick Zabisco in the head. Bischoff continued with kicks and punches, right? But soon grew weary. He got tired. He ran out of gas. And they were, it's funny because, again, Iron Mike today and Dusty Rhodes and Chavala. Oh, Zabisco's <laughs> pulling the robodope. He's pulling the robodope. It's funny as hell. You see Bischoff just throwing these punches, right? And you can just tell they're not having an effect at all there, Zabisco. Right, right, and he gets tired out. He gets tired the fuck out. Um, <laughs> the Bisco fought back, and Hart pulled him back. And play- Hall placed a steel plate on Bischoff's footwear, and Bischoff kicked the Bisco in the head. And Hart appeared to raise Bischoff's hand in victory, uh, but Hart knocked him knocked him down instead. Hall came in and Hart beat him down. Hart applied a sharpshooter as Zabisco choked out Bischoff. Hart awarded Zabisco the victory by disqualification for Bischoff using the plate, the steel plate, basically. So when he hit the steel plate, the steel plate flew, basically. Right. It it flew. Again, it was a cringy match. Don't get me the fuck wrong, okay? A cringe-worthy of a match. But damn, yeah. Yeah. The fact that Bret Hart was in it saved for me. Yeah, Bret Hart and Scott Hall saved it for me. He saved it for um, me, basically, in, in my eyes. Yeah, 
once once Scott Hall got in the ring and was pumped fake, he was like, "You want to go? Like you want to go? You want to go?" <laughs> and then he 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 missed the punch, and then um, uh, Bret Hart, you know, eventually put him in a sharpshooter. Yeah, that was uh, the crowd went nuts for that. That was Indeed, the biggest bro. pop in that match. Indeed, bro. And again, for what it was worth, you know, whenever you see Bischoff wrestling, it's comedy. Yeah. It was common. And again, him being where he was at at the company at the time, of course he put himself on the biggest show of the year. Someone like Zabisco, it was fine. I had no problem with that. Um, if it wasn't for Brett, this match would have been a dud. At the same time, I'll say this. Not the way I would have used Bret Hart on your biggest show of the year. Grant, right. it was a month after Montreal. Yeah. But not the way I would have used Bret Hart here. Fuck right. no. Uh, but this match went Shoot, about I, 11 minutes and 12 seconds, Mike. I would have replaced Bret Hart with uh, with um, DDP realistically, but that's unfair to DDP. Exactly. Well, Mike, we got and again at this point, WCW they were it was it was two it was basically two two, a tie. Yep. They found a way to tie, and then we get to the main event. The main event well, for the WCW. What, what happened, Mike? They 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 basically guaranteed was like well this is it like Nitro is is gonna be Nitro basically they just needed the championship back yes the title to come back home right Hulk Hogan yeah. versus Sting Hollywood Hulk Hogan let me correct myself here versus Sting for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship this was a big deal hell you had Michael Buffer do the ring announcing for this match granted. Every WCW pay every WCW pay per view, right for the world title. Michael Buffer did the ring announcing, right? Right. Which is again a big deal if you're, if you're WCW at that time to to pull that off, bring in Michael Buffer, do the ring announcing for your world title matches. Awesome. Right. I know WWE did it once or twice, right at Wrestle. I think it was at Rumble night, Rumble 2008 for the Rumble match. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was Rumble 2008, Which I believe at, so. At the same time, I would wish aid again, I know they can't do it now because of what's going on with the world, but I want to believe AEW, if they play their cards right, when everything comes back to normal again, right, for the world title matches, and again, I like Justin Roberts, don't get me the fuck wrong, or Dasha Fuentes, whoever's doing comments, whoever's doing ring announcing now. But for your world title matches, bro, if they can manage to strike Michael Buffer or Bruce Buffer, that's a win. I know, I know, Michael Buffer is the goat, but Bruce Buffer is my favorite. It's time. Imagine that, bro. I know, Bruce, yeah. I know Bruce. I know Bruce wouldn't do it because again, he's with the UFC and all that stuff. But if they're able to pull, or hell, even um, fucking um. The guy from Showtime. Yeah, he's pretty good too. Steven, um, Jimmy Lennon, Jim, yeah, Jimmy Lennon Jr. Yeah, that's his name. I believe it. Yeah, it is Jimmy Lennon Jr. Uh, but anyway, I know we've dragged off, but let's get to back to the main event, okay? okay. Hollywood Hogan and Sting. And throughout the show, they're talking about who's going to be the referee for this match. And prior to this match. J.J. Uh, Dillon, who was championship committee at the time, announced that Nick Patrick would be the special, would be the referee assigned for this match. 
And the big thing was Nick Patrick, was, who had favored the NWO before, was chosen to be the referee through a random right. drawing. And that was the big thing. Oh, in the past, he favored the NWO. He got suspended. But now since he came back, he's been called the matches correctly. So that was the thing, too. And it's funny because, again, I didn't watch the show in a long time. I always thought the Bret Hart was the referee for this match. That's what I always thought. <laughs> Going into, but no, I was proven wrong. Um, so that was the thing. The match started Hogan delivering attack. And one thing too, I'll say before going any further, I wish Sting would have came out through the through the Raptors. Now walking down the ramp like he did here for this match. But again, the buildup for this was amazing, right? Sting didn't speak for a year. Did not speak for yeah. a year. He became the Crow Sting, right? Right. Everyone thought he was joining the NWO. He was a free agent. Uh, he did say that one line. The only thing's for sure that nothing's for sure. And he, again, after I didn't speak for a year, like I said, all leading up to this, WCW is probably their best book match that they've ever done. The best buildup in a long that they've ever done in their comp- the hit- the co- yeah, in the history of that company that I can remember, right? Right, right. And then the fuck up at the end, which we'll get into. Uh, again, the match started with Hogan delivering attacks. Uh, Sting fought back with drop kicks and applied a side headlock. Hogan sent Sting out of the ring and, and attacked him with the ring post and, and a guardrail. Somewhere in this match, Hogan performed the big boot and, ping, and, and pin Sting after a leg drop. Now, this was supposed to be where Nick Patrick did a fast count. But mm-hmm. he never, and if you watch the match, if you watch it, he never did a fast count. It was one, two, three. Bret Hart comes out and he claimed that Patrick counted the pinfall fast and restarted it with himself as the referee. Right. And this is where things just went down to shit. Because again, the buildup was great. This on paper should have been the biggest match in the history of this company, right? A dream right. match. Finally, you're seeing it. Sting and Hogan, right? Here's Sting, who essentially was the face of WCW, right? In the right. eyes of everybody, right? right. Here's, here's Hulk Hogan, who was a WWF guy coming into, coming into the South, right? Coming into World Championship Wrestling, WCW, right? As an right. outsider, right? He right. takes over everything, wins the championship, is the biggest star of that company, Right? All all eyes are on him, but yet here's Sting. He's like the forgotten face almost, right? Right. So all that leading up to this match, right? And then that little hiccup. And yeah. Bret Hart, again, he became the referee. The match restarts. Sting performed. He did the, the Stinger Splash and then applied the Scorpion Deathlock. And Hart called for the bell. And Sting won the WCW World Championship. After this, everyone from the, everyone that was in attendance, all the wrestlers that were sitting in the crowd, they all came out. They got into the ring. Tony Schiavone's famous line, tonight is our night. Right. They're all celebrating. Sting finally brought the title home. Right? Exactly. But, Mike, what were your overall thoughts on this match? Because from what I've read, too, there's a lot of misconceptions here. Apparently, Sting didn't sell a lot of the move that Hogan hit on him. 
Apparently, there's rumors that Hogan was in it for himself. Hogan apparently paid Nick Patrick money so that Sting, so that he didn't do a fast count so he could make Sting and Bret Hart look weak. And again, there's so many variables. Eric Bischoff said that Sting was a shell. Sting, the person, Steve Borden, was a shell of his former self at that point leading up to that match and all that stuff. There's so many variables here. But what was your overall take on this match and everything that happened? Well, starting all the way back to the entrances, um, two iconic entrances, NWO entrance and that epic entrance from Sting with the, uh, with the short monologue before he walked out. Um, I disagree. I think he shouldn't have came from the rafters. Um, this was perfect to me. And then once they stepped in the ring and both guys' auras lit up the arena pretty much, and uh, they went at it, and then once that hiccup happened, yeah, it felt like the wheels fell off. Car broke down, smoking coming off the engine, and then they finished the match. But I mean, it it got it got where they you know where they wanted them to get. You know, they got the title back in WCW. You know, like we said, Sting having spoke for uh, a year, eighteen months to be exact, and the first thing he says is something in Spanish. <laughs> which was funny. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was fine. I mean, the hiccup really did put a damper on it. It was a great, you know, it was one of the best views in WCW history, you know, NWO um, and Sting, Sting being the last guy, being a vigilante, you know, refusing to choose a side. Pump faking here, uh, pump faking here and there, acting like he's gonna go to the NWO, and then he didn't go to the NWO, and then that's how he got here to Starcade '97. Great build-up, just a horrible finish. <laughs> yeah. Horrible finish. Horrible finish, really horrible. Um, but again, this was the big moment. Finally, the title's back home. Everyone's celebrating. Sting spoke in Spanish, apparently too. And there was that. Um, following this. The feud between Hogan and Sting continued after Starcade. The outcome of the main event at Starcade did not occur as planned, with the referee making the pinfall count, uh, not making it fast enough as scripted. And like, we, like I mentioned earlier, many former WCW wrestlers who were at Starcade believed that Hogan, through Bischoff, uh, instructed the referee Nick Patrick to make a regular count to protect himself and make Sting in the debuting Bret Hart look weak. Uh, to address all of this, the following WCW programming surrounded the controversy. Replays were shown, um, and the the championship was vacated. So all this, right? All this moment, all this, right? The big buildup, right? Just for the title to be vacated at the end. What the fuck, Mike? What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, this is. This is the beginning, well, the beginning, beginning of the end. <laughs> WCW. But yeah. yeah. So. A rematch was made, and Sting regained the title in a match at Super Brawl uh, number eight. So there was that, Mike. And that was Starcade 97. Overall, again, this was their biggest buy rate, their biggest gate in the history of this company. Numbers that they've never seen before, and all because of a good buildup. The best buildup that this company has probably seen in a long time. Right. Um, to me, 
again, with that being said, to me, this will be like the be- this was the beginning of all the shit that went on with WCW after. Right. Your take, Mike, before we just wrap this up and all that stuff, put this in a bow, if you will. Um. Yeah. Well, like you said, it was the the biggest. Uh, pay-per-view in their history um it seems like this is the peak of the the 83 weeks really um they were still sort of kind of slightly dominate until like 98 but um yeah this was the beginning beginning of the end for uh wcw but it was, it was a good show it was a thumbs up show I, I i really liked it i'll give it a pass again a thumbs up show uh i thought overall I had a good opener with the cruiserweights uh, good matches in between. The story was, hey, WCW versus the NWO. And it culminated with what's supposed to be their biggest match with the biggest buildup and then just the flop at the end. But I give it a thumbs up. Like I said earlier, two thumbs up. You gave it a thumbs up. But, Mike, this was not bad overall. This was not a bad to kick off the throwback, the debut of the throwback. And we hope all of you also enjoyed. Oh, yeah. For sure, man. This is uh, this was great. I hope uh, there's a big, huge future in this being a huge thing on the channel and on the on the feeds. And uh, thank everybody for watching. Indeed, Mike. And indeed, I, I enjoyed. Absolutely, guys. And we hope you all enjoyed as well. Give us your thoughts in the comment threads below. Let us know also on Twitter your thoughts on WCW Star K97, the thing that you liked, the thing that you did not like, and also. What pay-per-views from the past do you want to see myself and Mike review in the future? Next week, we'll be recapping from WCW again. Yes, right. We're going back into the realm of World Championship Wrestling because, honestly, we, as we were fans, you know, again, we didn't really get into WCW that much when we were kids, right? Granted, I saw the Monday Night War, but I never really was that much of a WCW guy, if you will. So we're going to stick around for WCW for the long haul. But I think that's fair enough, right, Mike? To stick around with WCW for a little bit? Yeah, we stick around. And with that being said, next week we'll be recapping Spring Stampede from 1999, which is considered to be the last great WCW pay-per-view. So make sure again, guys, you tune in next week as myself and Mike come back for the next episode of The Throwback. Mike, where can they check you out, though, bro? Let them know, man. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at BigMikeWRS1 and at YouTube at Big Mike's Wrestling Recap Show. And you can check me out here on YouTube.com, Heel Steven. If you're new to the channel, hit that subscribe button down below. Give the video a big old thumbs up. Share through social media. And you can follow me on Twitter at Heel Steven. This will also be available on all the podcasting platforms that Around the Point is on. Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Anchor. Also over at okfabe.com. So that being said, guys, thank you all for watching. This has been the debut episode of The Throwback. We'll see you all next week for more of The Throwback.